0: Uh, I'm T-Rick Jones. I'm the managing editor of Daily Star Trek News.
1: And I'm Tony Tolado, host and producer of Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast. Great to be with you here, T-Rick, as always, talking about now Star Trek Strange in the World, season number two.
0: Yeah, and uh, we're looking forward to season number three already. Um,
1: yeah, obviously, we're as we record this, we're still in the middle of a writer's, not writers, but the actor's strike. And uh, I think it's over a hundred days now, and yeah. um, certainly stand with them. They should be paid what they deserve, and especially with AI, uh, you know, and how they can mimic their voices. Yeah. Um, you know, we might e- could even see uh, an all CGI version of Casablanca with the original cast uh, talking, right. so, which is quite possible, and even new dialogue could be added. And AI can, you know, do that, but. I certainly stand with them, and they should be paid what they're worth. And they're grossly underpaid, and the residuals, frankly, are a joke. What they get paid, it's just Agreed. not right. Yeah,
0: it's just not yeah. Right. Uh, I talked with Michelle Heard <laughs> about it um, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, Michelle Heard from Star Trek Picard. Uh, yeah. She, you know, she was very articulate, and yeah. you know, um, it was it was a great great interview, a very interesting interview. Some things yeah. I so. You know, mm-hmm.
1: they, they deserve they deserve their uh, their fair share. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been following uh, Gina Torres, who's like oh, a yeah. great actor, and she's actually mobilized all these great Latina actors. And they and they uh and they pick it every day uh, with I like to say and what they like to say with a little ritmo, with some <laughs> rhythm. And uh, I mean, they really make it an occasion, but obviously have some fun, but also you know, pointing to uh, you know, the inadequacies of how things are. so, yeah. uh, it's it's uh, it's a tough time. I hope they resolve this, and uh, they can get back to work because that's what that's what we're going to be talking about. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Their work.
0: exactly. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But I hope it resolves in the actor's favor or at least in a compromise yeah.
1: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, compromise, nobody really wins, but you get something of what you want. And I hope at the very least that happens. So yeah. we'll see, you know, this is going to go on, I think, a little while longer, unfortunately. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. You know, it's like um, CBS is like showing, uh, you know, uh, you know Kevin Costner's show <laughs> because, <laughs> and, and that's already been run. It's like yeah. essentially running reruns, but never on network because they have nothing to show. I think, yeah, exactly. So bizarre. Yeah. So that's So bizarre. There is more Sci-Fi Talk, so stay
0: tuned. Star Trek Strange New Worlds. What did you, uh, overall
1: of the season, what did you think of it, Tony? I, you know, there was one word I would say bold. Uh, I mean, I thought they took some, they really took some swings. It was really interesting. Uh, there was uh, an article I read about a Star Wars fan who said, he said that, just to paraphrase him, he says, Star Wars keeps, you know, trying to explain the past and fill in the past. Well, Star Trek seems to be going forward, even though it's a prequel show. They seem to be going forward, trying new things and being bolder. Well, a lot of the Star Wars shows, he said, were very similar. You know, uh, the only one that I think stands out is Andor, which is really good. Very I more political.
0: Seen yet. It's on my watch list. I just haven't had time. I've heard it's excellent.
1: So to hear that from a star Wars fan shows you that this season really made an impact so far. I say it's their best season. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. I, I thought, uh, season two really, they took some big swings. Um, and, uh, you know, your mileage may vary on whether some of those big swings worked or not, but, um, but, you know, I, I agree. Totally bold is the word. It was, you know, um, it was a fun season to watch and, uh, um and see how how they grew as characters and as writers and um you know the some of the interesting things which I'm sure we'll talk about the interesting things that they did throughout the season mm-hmm. um, what
1: did you think of the uh the first episode uh that I thought it
0: was the weakest of the season uh to yeah be um
1: and I think so I think
0: a lot of a lot of the early episodes um were, fashioned around the fact that Anson Mount was taking a uh, paternal paternity leave. Um, uh-huh. And I think that's why, that's why he wasn't in much of the first, first episode. He's, I mean, I love all the characters of that show. He's the heart of that show. Yeah. Um, and an episode without him doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like a strange new worlds episode, or, or at least doesn't feel uh, fully fleshed out as an episode, mm-hmm. um, you know? And I thought, I, it just the story wasn't as interesting to me as most of the others of the season. I just thought it was a a weak episode, a weak way to start. Um, I I thought after doing after doing the cliffhanger of number one's been arrested for this crime, that's what started, and they didn't Mm -hmm. do that till till episode two, and and so it was sort of like what what are we doing here? We're doing you know um, the weaker. I thought of the of the cliffhangers, which was law leaving the ship. Um, you know, I, I you know, it just didn't work for me. So, hey,
1: you know, it was a, it was an action packed episode. We, we get to see a lot of Chapel and Mbenga's past kind of catching up with them a little. Uh, and th- that drug they took to enhance their physical abilities. I think we'll hear more about it. It, it kind of started an arc that carries a little bit through the season about their background and also what the war was like. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, so that was, um, that was interesting. The It was very action oriented and, and yes, it, there was character development, but, um, but yeah, I think action was the, the key, the key thing um, there, the scene where they're in the spacesuits and, and, and essentially they're, they're they're just going to go out there and see if hopefully somebody catches them finds them. I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, and and really the fight scenes were really well done, and um, I mean it's, it's it was it was good. But I agree, at a an episode that could have been more towards the middle of the season, uh, but to kick it off, I thought it was kind of like okay, interesting, but what's going on with? Uh, you know, with number one. I want to know. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then we find out probably one of the strongest episodes of the season. Uh Star Trek does courtroom dramas really well. I would put this up there with Court Martial from the original series and Measure of a Man from Next Generation. I think that's how strong I think this episode is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it made me think of those episodes. It made me think of the drumhead from Next Generation. Oh yeah, it's another one. Yeah, I love I love a good courtroom drama in Star Trek. Um, you know, I even like uh, the episode Dax from uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, which is a little bit of a weaker uh, yeah. courtroom episode. A little bit of you know it was their first season, but I enjoyed that whole that I I enjoyed the courtroom thing, and I thought that I thought that was a great episode, the courtroom.
1: The courtroom one with number one um yeah i mean uh the uh and i i actually tweeted out to her we're actually on instagram congratulated her the actress playing the attorney uh, who was in american gods as well playing venus was you. absolutely fantastic and i'm sorry i don't i i know your name but i don't want to mispronounce it so uh <laughs> but uh yeah she was dynamic and it was watching it my wife and i looked at each other you know she could have her own show. You know, she's yeah. really that good. Yeah. So, I, very as strong.
0: As much as that episode was, you know, a number one centric episode, it was really a showcase for that actress. Yeah. Um, who, again, I don't want to mispronounce her name either. Yeah, she, yeah. It was really, she was She was the star of that episode, and she was so very good. Um, and the writing was on point. Oh, my God, yeah. That, yeah. You know, everything was just that should have been, as we were saying, the the season premiere. Um, mm-hmm. Everything was just so great about that episode. It had a message. It never lagged. It never got boring. Um, you know, you went to alien worlds. You spent time on the ship. You you know, you had everything. You had a uh, lots of characters had their moments in it it was just a really really well done episode i thought
1: all around i agree i thought that was a, a magnificent episode and as i said worthy of the other court dramas that star trek has done um it was just so well written and obviously you know the theme that stands out and and that, uh, that was so intentional was people that are different that yeah. you know and prejudice that it just uh, it really hit home With a lot of people and i i remember the chatter on the internet was very strong after that episode yeah yeah well Uh, i would uh, i would say top five star trek episode uh you know of of strange new worlds easily a top fiver
0: i agree um prejudice has always been a, a um a point that star trek has has gone back to time and again since 1966 um and, you know, it's it's always, always a uh, um, a talking point that's relevant, um, no matter what era of Star Trek you're watching. Um, it's just it's still relevant as irrelevant today, uh, maybe in different ways, but still still as relevant today as it was in 1966. So it and they did a really great job of bringing that to the forefront, I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, prejudice, unfortunately, is part of being human. Yeah. and um it it's we all have them you know i i admit that too but as a young man watching captain kirk you know admit that and uh, and then saying something the line he goes but I'm, i i know it's barbarism or something but i i applied it to this and it's like i'm not prejudiced today you know it's like every day you say that to yourself and it just kind of steers you in the right direction every single day yeah. and it's like no you can't I mean I and mean, I've I've experienced it because I grew up in a time where prejudice was there all the time but you know those words were and and the original trek was just a guiding force for me to steer me in the right direction so and I'm I think this episode the same for uh, people watching now of all ages which is cool sure absolutely yeah 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 so, yeah that was uh that was a great one man I I love that episode. Yeah. Um, now this this one, the the one after you see here. Oh, yes. This one was like, wow, this was another, you know, gut punch episode for me with Kirk and Leon. I mean, it was just I'll tell you, Paul Wesley. He's killing it as Kirk. I he love his Kirk.
0: Um, yeah, he absolutely is, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about him as we go through the season later on. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes we will. But, but yeah, I thought I thought this was a really really good episode. Um, it uh, there were moments where it felt a little like they were trying to do some Star Trek Four kind of thing, you know, with the humor yes. and and stuff. And it's interesting because um, I talked to Jonathan Frakes last year about uh, Picard season two. Yeah, and he said what they were trying to do was do a season long Star Trek 4 and he said it didn't he didn't think it really worked. Um yeah. I would agree with that. But this actually worked much better as sort of a nod to Star Trek 4 but still kind of doing their own thing. Um and not going to like San Francisco or New York or somewhere, you know, they they went to Toronto. I don't know that any Star Trek show has ever gone to Toronto before. Um no. So it was an almost present day Toronto. Um mm-hmm. so and this was I think a, another write around for um for not having Anson Mount at the in the early part of the season. Um, yeah. I thought it worked really well. I thought it was I, I thought it was great. I thought Christina Chung did oh. I love Christina Chung. I love her character. Um mm. and I thought she did a great job. And she and Paul Wesley really have a chemistry
1: and work. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. And from what I read and, and seen in interviews, they were like they were shooting in. Uh, Toronto, and at first they said, yeah, let's let's do it as New York. But then I think it was Akiva Goldsman who said, why not let's do it as Toronto? <laughs> you know, why? Why do we have to do it as New York? Because it's such a cool city and it's a city we haven't really seen on TV very much. Yeah. Uh, except subbing for New York. So I, I thought that was really cool. You know, and the, the thing that just was so emotional for me was at the very end, and this is spoiler, we haven't seen it, and shame on you if you haven't, but when she sees young Khan Noonien Singh and she has that opportunity, it's like, could you, if you had the chance to go back in time and kill like Hitler or Genghis Khan or any of these tyrants. Yeah. Could you? And, you know, as children. And it's like, wow, it was such a heavy decision for her to make. She could have literally changed history. And I thought she played that beautifully. It was written beautifully. And it was like, that is quite a dilemma that I hope nobody has to make a decision like that. That's a tough one. But it was, I mean, yeah, I,
0: and it put you, the viewer, because the large part of the audience will have seen Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan and maybe even Space Seed, so they'll know who Khan is, um, and it put them in that position as well. Because if they they know who he's going to grow up to be, so would would you go back and kill Khan if you had the chance? Um, he's yeah. you know, gonna cause havoc in the twenty third century. So, wh- what what do you do there? It, yeah, I thought it was really effective.
1: What What happens if you do do it? And yeah. how does the future look? Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, the butterfly effect. It could literally change everything, and even change the Federation if she did it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a that was a, a really really cool choice. I thought. I agree. Um, Sci-fi talk returns in a moment. Now, the, you know that was followed by the episode um, about you know where they go back to uh, the the actual planet that we saw in um, I think it's one of the Rigels, on the the cage where, where yes where Rigel it, Seven I think Rigel Seven he has that memory and then you know they they certainly have expanded it and yet made it look familiar too the costumes certainly into that that original cage pilot and we're no man, you know, and that uh and I guess, yeah, I guess uh, that episode uh, you know, where where Kirk where Spock says the older uh Pike. But right. um but yeah, I thought that was uh I I, I I liked it. It it kind of um a little bit of a redemption for red shirts, I thought. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> you know, I thought that was the case. Um What did you think of it? I thought it was a good episode.
0: I thought Uh, it was a good episode. I thought it was very strange.
1: Um, Yeah. But I I had
0: the opportunity of talking to Benji Bakshi, who um, was the cinematographer on that one. Mm. Um, And if you watch it, it is such a beautifully shot episode. Oh, Uh, yeah. And they used their AR wall. He and I talked a lot about their AR wall. And it is amazing technology and oh, yeah. a lot of it was done in front of that AR wall um and it was it was very beautifully shot and the cinematography actually helped tell the story which sometimes it's just there to sort of support the story and and you know but in this case a lot of the shots when they were losing their memories the cinematography was such that you saw things through their eyes and you saw things getting blurry and you saw this stuff. Um, and it really helped tell and sell that story. Cause it's a very, very strange story. Um, mm. And I'm not sure I completely even now buy the whole thing. Um, we, we only saw a very little bit of Rigel seven in, mm-hmm. uh, in the cage and the menagerie um, just it, more of a flashback. It was the Telosians showing. Captain right. Um, and take him to that that planet um but I'm not sure I buy the whole the whole memory thing and stuff I mean, it was just an excuse to tell an interesting story and and to give um um oh, I'm blanking on her name the navigator or Ortegas, oh, yes uh, to give her a little a little story with the you know trying to remember how to fly a ship and you know um and I thought that was nice I it beautifully shot episode. Not my favorite of the season. Probably not my mm-hmm. least favorite of the season either. I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I liked it. I liked it. I thought the, the things that stand out to me are the performance of the older gentleman with the totem. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, and like, there's that little, not little theme. I think it's a strong theme about kind of hiding or even trying to forget memories that are not pleasant Rather than incorporating him to who you are kind of thing. and I thought that was interesting. And then at the end, when he gets his memory back, he thanks him for it because now he he remembers the good things as well as the you know the bad things. yeah uh, Melissa Novaya gave a great performance, and actually I, I had talked to her about that that scene that she did, and uh it was like, man, she just it goes to show you the cast and the level of talent they have where you can give a a character like this, you know, uh, essentially, I guess, a secondary character, not one of the main actors, but, and also they're fixing something that the original series never did. We didn't get stories about even Chekhov, certainly none about Sulu right. at all un- until the third season. Uh, where Chekhov finally got an episode, and it was uh, they kept using him as a, you know, in a love story kind of capacity, ex right. loves, or you know, or on Spectre of a Gun Falling for a Barmaid, so that keeps him alive, whatever. But, um, I thought the fact that they did it with her, I thought was good, I thought it was really good, and that's one of the highlights for me is really developing her character and who she is a little more, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I I, I did like that part of it. Yeah. The memory thing was kind of like, okay, they're swinging for the fences on that one. So I don't know if it made it over the wall, but (laughs) at least they, at least they tried, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. And I I love going back to Melissa Navia. Navia, is that how you pronounce it? I I say
1: Navia, but maybe I'm wrong. I really don't Um, know.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure. I've always said Navia, but when I, if I ever talk to her, I'll ask her, but, um, but I really like her and I really like that character. And I thought she didn't have nearly enough to do in the last season. And I was glad they gave her more to do this season. Uh, yeah. Keep going through through the years because um, mm-hmm. I really like the character. Um, she's yeah. a character that everybody comes to talk to. Like she's, you know, she's young, but she has advice for everybody. Um, which is a really interesting dynamic because usually that person is Guinan or somebody who's, uh, you know, Flocks um, was was sort of that, that character on Enterprise. You know, somebody who's had a little more experience and a, a little longer life. Um, so I think it's a really interesting dynamic that she just gets along with everybody and, you know, is able to and has an opinion and advice for everybody, you know, um, uh it's it's she's just that kind of friend everybody's got that friend and that's that's what she is to the series so
1: oh no question yeah she's she's great and and just you know i can't say enough of uh of that scene it it was a so so powerful and and she did such a wonderful job with it so um yeah i mean there's you know it's it's not a it's not like wow that's a great episode kind of episode but it, but it's like, it's a good episode with some really great moments in it. So yeah. that's what I appreciated about it. Yeah. And yeah. the one following was a tour de force for Ethan Peck. Yes. Playing Spock without his, essentially being a human being and and feeling his human half came out totally. In some ways, it was kind of like their naked time a bit, but with some fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, we get to meet, to and her parents, which obviously we never did before, and um, and Vulcan being a, matriarch, a matriarchal society, I noticed that her mom has a little more power than her father does. But uh, <laughs> but that that's cool. That's cool. I I I did like it, and um, just a really good performance from Ethan Peck. I just thought he, he- hit it out of the park, and uh, man, he was that really showed you what he was capable of doing. And, uh, I, I love this Spock anyway. I think it's a great fresh take on it and certainly dovetails all the others as well. So yeah. what'd you think but, of that one?
0: Uh, I loved that one. It was actually among one of my favorite episodes, maybe in my top three of the season. Um, it was, it's funny because it, we had a Vulcan comedy last year where they were switching bodies. Um, and then this season we've got him turning into a human. So I'm wondering if this is gonna be like a recurring thing. <laughs> every every season we have a Vulcan comedy of some kind happening, um, which would be kind of fun. Um uh, you know, it's it was just fun. I agree. Ethan Peck was amazing. He it was really it really showcased his talents. Mm-hmm. Um if I were if I were the Vulcan father, I would also be more interested in the food than anything else. Um, <laughs> so I, I totally understood that situation, um, but you know, it also showed how much everybody cares about Spock. Oh um, yeah, you know, everybody was interested in helping him. Once they all knew the situation, they were all pitching in. Captain Pike was playing charades to stop. Mm-hmm and um chapel who is one of my favorite characters chapel and oh, yeah. and uh ortegas went down to try to get a cure and you know everybody sort of banded together which i thought was really sort of a a sweet subplot that everybody is you know he doesn't show emotion normally but everybody is interested in him everybody's his friend and trying to help him um help him succeed so
1: you know, the scene on the bridge when the ladies are trying to show the human Spock how the Vulcan Spock acts <laughs> is hysterical. It, yeah. it, 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 and, and, you know, it's you love this character, but there, there's ways of kind of poking fun at him a little bit without being disrespectful. And I thought that was a, a a great, great scene. On another note, it was interesting to see more of the Vulcan rituals that they came up with, which yeah. I thought was kind of interesting and the whole you know process of uh, of how the mating you know cycle works for vulcans and and courtship i thought that was really interesting so
0: yeah cuz we've uh, never seen vulcans courting in that way
1: before. No, not at all you know we uh, we have the
0: finger sex scene in star trek 3 and we yes. have the uh, co- um the ceremony um in uh, a mock time where spock and to bring meat again and and have the fight but but we've never really seen this this part of the of the mating rituals and it was yeah. really I, I agree I thought it was really interesting I I'm, I'm a sucker for finding out all the alien stuff you know I love I love all the klingon stuff and um all the rituals and I love the vulcan rituals and you know so I love finding out more about that
1: And that is part one of this dual podcast that appears on Star Trek Daily News and also on Sci-Fi Talk. I'm Tony Tolado for the Sci-Fi Talk end of it. Stay tuned for more on Trek Tuesday here. You can also listen to it on Star Trek Daily News as well. Until next time, this is Tony Tolado.